Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me are my co-hosts, Brent Hut Hut Hikes. Follow him at Brent Hikes, H-E-I-K-E-S on Twitter. And Trevin Cremosta, international man of mystery. Trevin, you won our poll last week about the best sports month, October. Of course, people love their football. Beat out Brent's March and my April so congratulations on that. But despite that, you still have more grievances this week. So I guess we'll just start every show with you complaining about something. What is it this week? <laughs> you you slid right past the poll that I just destroyed you guys on. It wasn't very close. So every time we put up one of these polls, I'm just really a monster on these things. So I think I know what the people want. And what the people want are my grievances. And I got some for you tonight. Because I don't have a lot of places I can put this to where my voice will get heard. But... The goddamn Huskers are a joke, and they're, the move they tried pulling last week was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. Scott Frost should have quit that day out of shame. It's an awful deal. They tried to get out of playing the Sooners because they're too good, and then they got caught, and then they said it was five hours later they released a statement. Actually, we're trying to help the local economy. Are you? You liars. You fucking cowards. It's just unbelievable, and the whole program should need to turn over because I'm done with it. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, for those who may not follow college football as closely as the pro football, Nebraska has a game against Oklahoma to mark the 50th anniversary of the the quote-unquote game of the century from 1971 uh, when they were number one and number two and Nebraska won and went on to win the national championship in a fantastic game. And they tried to back out of it this week, and Trevin's not happy, which neither am I, honestly. But Brent, what's your take? I don't know. I mean, I would have been disappointed if they would have backed out of the game. I'm not as mad as you guys. I'm glad they're playing the game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely still a fan of Nebraska. I mean, you guys can go ahead and just leave if you want. I mean, that's perfectly <laughs> fine, I'm sure, with, with the Huskers. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly they're trying to get out of the game. Um, they they might have looked into it, and then Oklahoma kind of got upset, like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? So. I mean, yes. I think that's exactly what happened. Oklahoma. Yeah, I, do. <laughs> I don't know why you described okay. it like that's not what happened, but that's what happened. Well, I mean, they, they they looked into it. I'm not I'm not saying that they they tried to get out of it. I mean, if they really want to get out of it, they could have. Oklahoma definitely leaked it to shame them yeah. into staying in the game. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I agree. I agree. And and if they want to get out of it, they could have. So, um, they didn't. They're playing the game. So. What's here's what I want to know. What's the best case scenario in the as Scott Frost and Bill Moose are sitting down saying, We got this Oklahoma non conference game next year. Our only challenging one, by the way, the other three are against <laughs> subpar well, competition or what should be not gonna be easy, but yes. What should be subpar competition for a school like Nebraska? So Scott and Bill sit down and say, We're gonna try to get out of this game. And everybody's just going to be okay with that. Oklahoma's going to be like, oh, that's all right. The fans are going to be 
well, we understand. We need some wins. Like, what what did they expect to happen? That's what I can't wrap my mind around here. Like, what? How did they envision this not blowing up in their face? Well, I think they thought they need to get a win. This is a very important season for Scott to have a winning record, and they oh, thought boy. it's going to be a lot easier to get a win against this podunk old dominion than it is Oklahoma. And if we can get this thing sealed up before anybody finds out, then we can just say, we're trying to help the local economy. We'll try to schedule you later, Oklahoma. Sorry about it. I think that was their best case scenario and they're cowards and it's pathetic. And how do you look your players in the eyes after this and say, let's go beat Oklahoma. I know you can do it. I never mind that I tried to get out of the game because I didn't think you had a chance. How are you a head coach? If you don't think you can win the games and it's time to move on. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. <sighs> I just, even if they had been able to get it all set up and just come out with their statement on their own terms, I just can't imagine that going over well with the fan base regardless. So I think it was a harebrained idea from the start and it blew oh, up in their face even worse, like the worst possible scenario happened. Yeah. And now Oklahoma is going to try to score a hundred on them, no doubt. And then to not release a statement, Oklahoma, of course, had a statement immediately because they're the ones that leaked it, which is fine. And then five or six hours later, we say, actually, it is true. We've for the last six hours, we've tried to make up a better excuse. We couldn't think of anything. So it's true. (laughs) Oh, great. Get us along with his other stupid excuses for losing games where the other team's clapping. They blame TV timeouts for a game. It's a joke. Sorry, I'm starting this podcast hot. I'm just pissed. I'm still, I can't believe it's a week later. I'm still this upset. I know this is an NFL podcast, but it's the only place I can get stuff off my chest. And that's what's burning me this week. What also gets me is like to use that excuse when you have seven home games is that's the other thing. Disingenuous. Oklahoma nobody... only has six home games and they're not trying to pull a coward move like this, but Nebraska has seven and they think they need eight apparently is the excuse at least is it nobody just... going to play away games this year because everybody's <laughs> local economy's hurting somehow everybody's only playing home games yeah so i think that makes it look even worse and then on top of that if your excuse is the economy if you back out of this game there's no way oklahoma's coming to lincoln next fall like nothing no. happened and that's well, probably I mean, going to be like the biggest home game with a ton of people in town great for the local economy so you're you might come out slightly ahead this year but overall it's definitely going to be a net loss if you back out of this game. but you got to realize that i'm sure they're probably checking to see if they can just postpone everything by a year basically so basically um they can either play at oklahoma in 2022 and then at nebraska in 2023 i, I don't think they're just trying to play both games at lincoln no i know I, this game would be canceled and they'd play next year well, yeah okay well, or, or or that i mean that's almost that's that's just as crazy so i mean i think the realistic thing they're trying to do is just to postpone it by a year so maybe. nobody nobody loses out on money maybe nebraska does a little bit by by canceling out on this year um but i don't know I, i'm glad they're playing it yeah all i know is it looks terrible would it make things better with you guys if they beat oklahoma if well (laughs) the head coach doesn't think we can beat him why would i have any faith that we can beat him (laughs) but does it make things better for you guys if nebraska beats oklahoma that's if brent and bill and scott were in a room together there'd only be one person in that room that thinks we have a chance against (laughs) oklahoma and that's brent because the other two tried to erase it oh shoot yeah. All right, I, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Now I'm now I'm heated. <laughs> Good. <Let's see. laughs> now we're all ready to go. 
Everybody's pissed off. Let's get the show started. <laughs> okay, we'll have some contentious debates tonight. So let's hop into the main event. And now for our main event. And for tonight's main event, we're going to go over free agency, but we're going to do it a little differently than probably like every other podcast is talking about free agency. We're going to pick one. We're, each, we're going to have some debates here probably, and we are hot. <laughs> so we're each picking uh, one free agent landing spot we love, one we like, and one that makes us want to drink, which I think that opening story makes us all want to drink. So we're starting off good there. But guys, let's start with a free agent landing spot we love. Huge week of free agency. Tons of guys moving to new places. Still some pretty big names out there on the block, notably like Juju Smith-Schuster and some others. But of the ones we know as we record this on Thursday night, uh, let's talk about the landing spot we love. Trevin, start us off. So I actually, I love Curtis Samuel going to Washington. I think that's going to be a great second option there with Terry. Um, his old, they were in the same class together at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to fit well together. I think it'll be a great second option there to open up Terry and to provide Sam Curtis Samuel with some stuff. He really, um, with Joe Brady coming into the Panthers last year, he had a great year. Um, they got him running the ball a lot more, so they're probably going to use him a bunch of different ways. The And then they got Fitz Magic, who's just going to be throwing it all over the place, so... I think there's going to be, and I mean, the only thing that really is going to hurt them is they're going to have an awesome defense, probably top three defense in the league that makes it so they don't have to score a lot. But if <laughs> I still think he's going to be very successful there. I think it's going to give him another weapon there. And uh, I like it for the team and I like it for fantasy. I'll hop in here because this was also the one I loved. So last year you mentioned, Trevin, we saw what Joe Brady and the Panthers were able to do with Curtis Samuel. In 2019, he was misused by Ron Rivera, which is a little bit scary going back to Washington, rejoining Rivera now. But I completely oh, forgot about that. <laughs> hopefully Rivera watched a lot of Panthers games last season and learned how to best use uh, Curtis Samuel. So in 2019 with Ron Rivera, Curtis Samuel uh, only played 21%, 22% of his snaps in the slot versus, uh, see, last year he was over half the time, 53%. Uh, he was targeted much deeper downfield. His average d- target distance in 2019 was 14.4 yards, number 17 among receivers. Last year, they used him a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, his average target distance last year was 7.2 yards, so number 98 among receivers. Uh, he also, when you look at how many targets he had, in 2019, he actually had more than 2020, 105 to 97. They're further downfield. You'd think that'd be better for his production, but he improved across the board, both in counting numbers and uh, rushing, like you mentioned, Trevin. Uh, so he had, in 2019, he only had 54 catches on those 105 targets, 627 yards. He did have six touchdowns. Uh, in 2020, he went up to 77 catches, which you probably expect, uh, having those targets closer to the, to the line of scrimmage, uh, on 97 targets, 851 yards, so over 200 more yards. His average yards per reception only went from 11.6 to 11.1, and that was because of how successful he was able to be after the catch uh, in 2020. He had 337 yards after the catch, number 22 among receivers. When you compare that to 2019, uh, he only had 126 yards after the catch, which was number 74 among receivers. So they really played to his strengths as far as you know getting the ball in space close to the line of scrimmage and racking up those yards after the catch. He, he was able to produce more yards as a result on fewer targets 
and also, like you mentioned, Trevin, they got him involved in the rushing game. He went from 130 yards on the ground on uh, 16 attempts in 2019 to 200 yards on the ground uh, on 15 or on 41 attempts uh, yep. in 2020. And only nine, I think I said 16 attempts in 2019 is actually 19, but he had a couple touchdowns. So that's a nice little way he chipped in. He went over a thousand yards total between rushing and receiving last year. Uh, so he really stepped up his game. Uh, I think he, let's see, he finished as, I think it was wide receiver 25 last year. I think he could easily, not easily, but he could finish as a top 20 wide receiver this year, working on the other side from McLaurin benefiting, you know, being the number two in the pecking order, as opposed to number three behind Robbie Anderson and, uh, DJ Moore in Carolina. And, uh, I think, yeah, if they use him properly in Washington, I think he has a lot of upside this year. So I like that spot for him a lot. I I was a little skeptical at first, you know, with Washington's quarterback situation, Fitzpatrick, it's not ideal. With Rivera and his prior misuse of him, it's not ideal. But I think I've talked myself into into loving this one, actually. Brent, your thoughts? Well, when I saw it last night, at first I was like, ah, I don't know if I like it too much, but – Give me 24 hours later, thought of, thought of it, and I am starting to like it. Not really f- on the fantasy perspective for Curtis Samuel, though. I think I like it more for like guys like Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, um, Antonio Gibson. I think it might, it'll help to have him open up the offense a little bit more. And Fitzpatrick, it, I, I've always liked Fitzpatrick. He's, he's a gunslinger. He'll, he'll get these guys the ball, and I think they'll have a really good offense. Um, I think they're the team to beat. In, in their division, even ahead of the Cowboys. So um, I look for the Redskins to have a good year. Um, Curtis Samuel, I think, fantasy-wise, probably about the same as last year. And I totally forgot about Ron Rivera coaching Curtis Samuel at the Panthers too. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like that that much. Um, but I, I am starting to like it. I, I'm excited to see him play for the Redskins. So, I mean, I, I don't love it, but – I like it. I like it more for McLaurin and Logan Thomas, though. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, Brent, who did you love the landing spot for this week? Um, the, the guy that I that I love um, in fantasy uh, actually didn't change teams. Aaron Jones. I, oh, I, I, like... I thought you were going to say Taysom Hill. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, if if you're if you're a dynasty owner of Aaron Jones, the best thing happened, I think, for him. Um, he's he's back on the Packers. He's back. He's back playing with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he has AJ Dillon behind him, but Aaron Jones very well could have another year like he did this past year. He had he had eleven over eleven hundred yards rushing, only two hundred and one rushing rushing carry or carries actually. Um, 5.5 yards per carry, nine touchdowns. Not as much as the touchdowns in, in 2019, but um, I'm thinking he can maybe get around nine touchdowns again. And, and he got 47 catches for around 350 yards. So um, he'll be the receiving back for sure. Um, sprinkle in a few touchdowns, and I think he could have another year like he did in 2020. So dynasty owners are probably pretty happy he went. He he's staying at at Green Bay. AJ, Most of them are. I, I will say AJ yes. Dillon. AJ Dillon dynasty owners are probably not very happy though. That's what I was gonna say. Boy, if you sold him in that short window you had between when Aaron Jones didn't get franchise tagged and when he resigned, you probably made a killing. But if you uh, bought or if you held, <laughs> you're probably not real thrilled with this development. Trevin, you a big fan of Jones back in Green Bay? I am. Uh, 
like Brent said, this is about the best you could hope for. We talked about him last week, and we were all kind of sellers at his um, draft position comparison. And that was mainly because of where he could land. I think we all kind of agreed the only kind of better spot for him would have been the Niners, maybe. And that was any other team probably would have been worse for him. So if you're, if you're a, a owner of his, you're definitely thrilled. But I, I don't know what you do if you're an A.J. Dillon. The <laughs> running backs, you get five good years now when you're drafted, and now it looks like his first three are all going to be backups. So I, you're, uh, you're not happy about that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. By the end of this contract, Aaron Jones will be 30, so maybe Dylan gets a little kind of transitions into that, you know, primary or at least an equal timeshare as Jones gets a little bit older. But for the next couple of years, it sure looks like Aaron Jones is locked into that lead back role. Yeah, um, if he, I mean, if he's not playing much his first three years, he's not, he's going to have more miles that he can he's, go towards the end. So he should last a little longer. But yeah, these are the years that you're hoping you get out of your dynasty running backs, and he's going to be sitting on the bench a lot. Yep, not great, but I agree. I like that landing spot a lot for Jones, and I think I was surprised he ended up back there a little bit. I knew there was still a chance, but I it, I probably would have put it like 75% he was going somewhere else, and so it was a pleasant surprise to see him back in Green Bay. I was, yeah, shocked they didn't just do the franchise tag on him and just keep him for that one more year instead, because now he has two guaranteed years, basically, right? I, uh, I'm, I don't know the, the details on the contract, Brent, do you know? On Jones? Yeah, I do not. Yeah, no big deal. But either way, like two guaranteed yeah. years, he'll be twenty-eight at the end of that, so that'll be about about right. And, and if they have some options to cut him at that point with minimal uh, cap downside, that's that's a good deal. Four years yeah. for forty-eight million. Yeah, I just didn't know guaranteed wise and cap wise, like what the dead cap was after those first couple years. But yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, Brent. Who did you like the landing spot for this week? I like an offense lineman move, and this is going to help <laughs> this offense, okay? So it has something to do oh. with fantasy. Are um, we on like or dislike? Like. We're going oh, I thought that was... like and then drink. Oh, okay. 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 I had the game <laughs> written down wrong on my sheet. I, <laughs> never okay. Like. What is it? What are we doing here? Like love, love, lo- love <laughs> like, and and makes you want to drink. Okay, okay, hate. okay. That's my fault. I had the game wrong over here. It wouldn't be a, a fantasy players club episode without Trevin just barging in, interrupting a, someone in mid train of thought to, to ask a question that's totally unrelated. I get my ducks in a row here. I'm panicking. I'm like. Like, what the hell? Brent's doing like stuff here. I no, don't the like. people are going to think we don't have a show sheet where this is all outlined, Trevin. But it's, <laughs> I just want to, full disclosure to the listeners, it's all right there. It's it just there. Trevin can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. My bad. All right, Brent. Uh, nobody uh, listening to this podcast loves to hear about anything more than offensive line talk. So hit us with your sexy offensive line. Talk <laughs> well, the Kansas city chiefs made some pretty good offensive lineman moves these last couple days. They got Joe Tooney from the new England Patriots. Um, one of the better run blockers and actually is a really good pass blocker too. And that's what the, the Kansas city chief need the, the chiefs need. They also got um, long. He hasn't played in a couple years, but, um, they don't have to, they didn't have to pay him very much money. So if he pans out great, if he doesn't, I mean, that's fine. They, they, they have other, they have other guys coming back. Um, they had a really good offensive guard. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but he was the one who opted out this past season. He'll be coming back. So 
their offense line starting to take shape. I still expect them to pick another offense lineman, maybe two offense linemen in the first couple rounds of this upcoming draft. Um, basically, it's going to help out Mahomes. Mahomes is going to have more time back there to pick apart defenses. It's going to help Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going to have – I mean, Damian Williams just got cut. So um, I do expect them to get another running back sometime. They're not going to pay big for a running back. Maybe they get like a guy like a – I don't know, like a Rex Burkett, or maybe they draft one in the third or fourth round. But uh, it's not going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire alone. So um, – but overall, this this offense, I think it's just going to get better. Um, defenses better be scared. Um, the Raiders, look out. Um, it's just I, I expect big things out of this this offense, and especially with them patching up their offensive line. Is Darrell Williams still under contract there? He, he is. He is. I still expect him to get someone else. He, he did have a good finish of to, to the year, but – um, but I still feel like they need someone else. So I, I know Le'Veon Bell was supposed to be that guy last year, but I, I think he's done for. I think we've seen the last of Bell. Yeah, I don't think the Chiefs are may, putting any thought into how the Raiders are going to react to any moves they're making. <laughs> True. <laughs> Lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. <laughs> Something like that. Or competent teams don't concern themselves with incompetent teams. Yeah. We talked a lot during the playoff run, especially after the Super Bowl, about the improvement that the Chiefs needed to make on the offensive line if they wanted to have a chance to win the Super Bowl again next year. And it looks, with all the moves that have been going on, like there's a strong chance that they could face the Bucks again in that Super Bowl next year yeah. as they've pretty much kept everybody. So uh, I think that they've identified this as a need, and it's good to see them address it. From a fantasy perspective, if anything, it maintains the status quo as a minimum, which for this team is pretty good from a fantasy perspective. So uh, I think that's probably the best, not a lot of, I guess, actionable things with this one, but it is nice to see them address that need. And hopefully that'll allow Mahomes to continue to operate this offense at a high level. If if you want me to narrow it down just to one guy, it'd be Tooney, the signing from the, the New England Patriots. They got him for five years, 80 million. So yeah, Trevin, you're up. You can actually – I'd be okay if you want to give us your your dislike. Oh, I mean, that's Because that, that's probably uh, what you prepared for. Yeah, but I got to – it'll be quick. But uh, just on yours quick, I don't know if it's I, – I do like the signing for the Chiefs, but it's mainly because of the decisions they made to get rid of their other linemen. So it kind of evened out what their – I thought was pretty crazy decisions they made first. That's what all the cool teams are doing this offseason, getting rid of their linemen, right, Trevin? <laughs> <laughs> that's you're getting ahead of me on what's on my make me drink here <laughs> all right we'll save we'll save the fire for the for that section do you want to hit us with your like first yeah uh the one thing i did like was a uh, cory davis he did have a pretty good year at the titans last year after looking like a huge bust and he got signed by the jets for 27 million for two years uh guaranteed 27 million so pretty average on pay and if he can build on where he was at last year and they're they're probably going to draft fields and have him and Mims as fields options uh, weapons for him right away. I think that could work out pretty well for him. Um, if fields is anything like what he might be. Uh, I, I like that signing a lot. What do you guys think about Corey Davis going to the jets? Have you heard that there are rumors going around about Juju Smith Schuster landing in New York as well? Would that yeah. change your opinion? On this? Uh, that would definitely hurt his fantasy value. It, it it would help the team if they have a receiving core like that, especially for a young quarterback. But yeah, it would hurt. 
Corey Davis this, is fantasy. This just happened about an hour ago. Keelan Cole just signed with the Giants or <laughs> with the with the Jets for five and a half million for a year. So they got well, they got him too. That probably takes him out of Juju, I guess, but I don't that wouldn't really change my opinion on on Corey Davis here, Brent. What do you think? I'm, I'm I'm starting to like what the Jets are doing, and I'm not sold on them getting the quarterback at number two either. I think they should go Sewell, and I think they really might. I think they go Sewell, let Darnold, give him another year, see what happens. Let Darnold have Mims, Crowder, Corey Davis, Keelan Cole. Maybe Herndon will have a good year. Um, they do need a running back, and I, <laughs> and they do have like a 23rd pick and like the 33rd pick, so. Maybe Najee Harris will be their running back. So um, the Giants' offense could actually turn out the to Jets, be. Pr- you mean? Or, I keep on calling <laughs> the Giants. The Jets, <laughs> Jets' offense um, might actually turn out to be pretty good this off season. So I'm excited to see who they're going to pick at number two. But I think it should be Sewell. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic about this as you guys are. Um, for him to repeat last year, I think Sam Darnold's going to have to be to take a pretty big step forward last year davis had 92 targets 65 catches 984 yards and that was working with ryan Tannehill. and i think darnold's a pretty significant step down there they don't have a true like alpha they don't have an aj brown on the other side of the field which i guess you could spin that as positive or negative depending on how you feel about Corey davis and sam darnold but maybe they do have jameson crowder and they do have denzel mims and hopefully mims takes a step forward here in the second year but I just have a hard time seeing Davis doing any better than he did last year. And really last year, like he was a wide receiver three, which was fine. But from a fantasy perspective, it's hard for me to get excited about it. You don't put anything that, I mean, he's a young guy when he came in, he might be building. He Some guys get it figured out a little bit later in their career. That was his fourth year last year. It's not like he's old. He's 25 and almost at a thousand yards. He's got the reason he's drafted. So is he has all the tools. I'm not saying he's going to all of a sudden be a Devonta Adams or anything like that, but I think he can build on what he did last year. It's, yeah. it's very possible. It's possible. Definitely. I just don't think it's likely at this point. And it's hard from like, I think there were probably other landing spots where it would have made that a little easier for him to reach his ceiling. And it's harder to envision that with, with Darnold in, in New York. Sure for me. So, um, I dislike just because I had it down here was Nelson Aguilar. I can't believe the Patriots are gave him so much money off of his one year. I really like that the Raiders brought him in, paid him cheap one year, and then he's going to get a big contract. And he, they said, "Yeah, go ahead for it," because that was his ceiling last year. He, I can't believe how long he's been in the league. He, that was his sixth year last year. He's going to be twenty eight when this season starts. Jeez. Two years, oh, 20, 26 million, right? Yeah. Yes. I'll hop in here because my hate or my one that makes me want to drink, and this one really makes me want to drink is related. Uh, I had Hunter Henry to the Patriots as my hate. So the Patriots were the second lowest passing team from a pass attempts perspective in the NFL last year. They only had 440 pass attempts, which was ahead of only the Ravens. They had 2,890 passing yards. Now, they also brought in Johnny Smith, who people were somewhat optimistic about since that happened first before the Hunter Henry signing here. And then they just signed Hunter Henry too and probably killed the chance of either one of them being really fantasy, you know. They may be like high end tight end twos or low end tight end ones, but it's hard to envision either one really being, you know, a top five 
tight end going forward. So it was really disappointing for me. He's going to a low-volume offense with a quarterback that they don't throw a lot and with, you know, probably with some additional options in the passing game with Johnu and with Aguilar. And they also brought in um, the receiver from San Francisco, whose name is escaping me right now. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, so there are some other options now, and there wasn't a lot of volume to go around to begin with. So I, I was just really disappointed because I really liked Hunter Henry's upside. And we've talked about it before. He's never been able to achieve that upside. I think we said his best year ever was tight end eight or nine. And it's, going to be really hard to see him finishing higher than that at least in 2021 with cam newton in this offense you don't put any talk into the it's the new gronkowski and aaron hernandez duo <laughs> well he's even 81 had, john o. smith is 81 too those guys Number had 81. tom brady throwing to them he has <laughs> cam newton who's nearing the end of his viable quarterback career i think so oh, i'm with you i would be excited if the patriots had a better quarterback and then they know how to run. They love that 12 set, they call it, I guess. So yeah. it would be exciting if they had anybody except Cam. But did, uh, did you see how many first down receptions tight ends had for New England last year? No. The I full season. Not. How many times they caught the first down pass? Single digits? Yeah. Brent, you got a guess? No. <laughs> One to nine, Brent. <laughs> Throw out a number. <laughs> Or um, zero, four, I guess you could four. Be zero. <laughs> Let's do four. Oh, sorry. Eight. Yeah, eight first down receptions from New England tight ends. So it was definitely a uh, need they had. They blew their third round picks last year. They drafted both tight ends with that one. But the more it comes out with Cam Newton's contract, it doesn't seem like it's a hundred percent he's going to be the starter, which gives me a little bit of hope for their tight end situation. He's only guaranteed. It came out that he was going to get paid 14 million. Um, but now that the contract details are out and he only gets 5 million is all the guaranteed contract is the rest is incentives and starts. So there's still a chance they get a better quarterback there and it can really, maybe this thing works out better, but you I like my prediction. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, I think they take Mac Jones on the NFL draft. That's what I was going to say, too. I think they'd like to, but I don't know if he's going to be there anymore. I, If we're making predictions, I'm just going to put mine out there that Jimmy G comes home. That'd be a fun one. And I think Nick, that's who's starting. Nick Saban and Bilicek are, are good buddies, right? Mm-hmm. So Saban's probably talking in his ear that Mac Jones is a real deal. So, I mean, if he really is, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft Mac Jones. A funny thing I've thought of, so there's all these, whatever move New England makes, they get a lot of apologists and a lot of, well, it must be smart if the Patriots are doing it. If, <laughs> if the Texans did these same signings that Patriots did this year, it'd just be an onslaught of articles of how stupid are the Texans, what the hell are the Texans doing? Because these yeah. moves don't make a lot of sense in a vacuum until you just read that it's the Bill Belichick. I think people, some of the Patriots fans and are happy our group at least were hoping they would have signed, you know, maybe an A minus player instead of a couple <laughs> C plus receivers like they did. But Trevor, you mentioned Mac Jones may not be there. They have the 15th pick. So if you think Mac Jones is going to go last out of those top five quarterbacks between, uh, you know, Lawrence Fields, uh, Trey Lance, and then um, Zach Wilson, then that would mean that all five of them would have to go in the top 14 picks for for uh, Mac Jones to not be there. So I guess it's possible, but I'd say there's a decent chance he's there at 15. Sure. But maybe one, maybe he goes ahead of one of those other four too. So you never know. 
Yeah, or teams trade up that are behind the Patriots too. I think the quarterbacks are going to be an onslaught, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you are right. It's probably like they brought him back for one more year to kind of transition to whoever the, the new one is going to be if they draft somebody. But, all right, Brent, what about – what has you drink? Make wanting to drink this <laughs> this week? Well, it kind of goes with yours, Levi. Um, I was pretty excited to see Jono Smith go to – the Patriots. I was never a fan, never really a, a big fan of John o. Smith. He, he had a pretty good year last year, though. Um, 41 catches, 448 yards, eight touchdowns, his best year of his career. Um, then he gets signed by the Patriots. So they use their tight ends and they paid him a lot of money. And after I read this quote from Bill Belichick, this was earlier this year when they played the Titans. Um, Bilicic said he's just a really good tight end. He can do a lot of things. He blocks well, runs well, is a good receiver. I mean, hell, they played him at tailback. He looked pretty good back there. So he's a very athletic player, hard to tackle. He catches the ball well. He's great after the catch. He's probably the best in the league after the catch. I mean, I can't imagine anybody better than him after the catch. He looks like a tight end to me. <laughs> so... It looks like a tight end to me. <laughs> the, qu- compliment there. the question the question was probably is is he really like a tight end, I guess. So at least he's not gonna line him up at cornerback, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he knows where to put him. <laughs> so you, you can tell right there that Belichick really liked John o. Smith. I was like, okay, they're gonna use the heck out of him. He's gonna lead the team in receptions. Then the next day they signed Hunter Henry. <laughs> And that kind of blew everything up. And now I absolutely hate it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably not going to be that good. I I don't think I don't think Cam Newton's going to be their quarterback to close the year. It's probably going to be a guy like Mac Jones, maybe Garoppolo. Um, but I, I'm back to hating John o. Smith. I, I liked him for a day, <laughs> a day. That's it. Did you guys see all the stupid tweets? The Boston TE party. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know how many people tweeted that out and thought they were original, but that was going around a lot. No, also, I think I, yeah, I think I, Belichick talks up like pretty much every somebody on every opponent, doesn't he? Like, I don't think it's out of the ordinary for him to talk up somebody like that. Maybe he went above and beyond for Johnny, I guess. But I feel like I'm always reading about how Belichick's hyping up some other player from the team he's facing. Could be. I mean, it, it, this it was just this quote was really floating around after he signed Smith, yeah. and I mean he actually, I mean he's it's got some really good compliments he gave him. Best in the league after the catch. So, and there's yeah. some pretty good tight ends that are really good after the catch in the in the NFL. So, as a Titans fan, I am going to miss Johnu. He was a lot of fun to watch, especially when they get him involved in the running game and stuff. And he does excel after the catch. I I think Bill's spot on there. If I. If I had to think, say Bill can analyze some football, I'd be that'd be an accurate comment from Bill there. So is is Fersker the number one tight end there now? He just resigned, so it looks like he probably will be. So maybe a little bit of a a little bit of a sleeper this year. He yeah. was pretty decent last year when mm-hmm. with Johnny there. So. He was. All right. Any other grievances before we move on, Trevin? Or oh, just my make my drink one I haven't done yet. Okay, let's hear it. The fucking Raiders. Who knows? I don't know what's going on. Gruden has too much control over what personnel decisions. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm convinced of it. They, I don't. The offensive line was the only thing they had that was like, well, at least we have this 
almost, I mean, very good to elite unit is this offensive line. They're a lot of them were hurt in COVID a lot of last year, but besides that, they're a little bit aging, but at least they're very solid. You can build off that. Uh, the defense is terrible and the quarterback's average. The weapons are average, but at least you got that offensive line you can build around. Now they're destroying it for some reason. And now you got to rebuild the offensive line too. So on top of the rebuild and everything else, you got to rebuild that. Signing a backup running back for 11 million guaranteed for the next two years. I, 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 I don't know that. what the hell is going on. <laughs> it, I thought the Aguilar was your one that made you want to drink. Was that not it? No, that was him. That, that I was his dislike. This because I thought we were doing dislike uh, before. You did. I forgot you're incompetent. I'm yeah, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I should be <laughs> fucking president of the Raiders. And it <laughs> and it just all it all seems to come back to the Raiders probably are cash poor and they can't pay people to they can't pay these big contracts. They have to do year of contracts. They can't do like five year contracts because they don't have the money to put in an escrow. Because Mark Davis is some loser that's never had a job outside of equipment manager and he's fucking 67 years old he just he eats at pf Chang's and has a stupid haircut and he's never managed a dollar in his life he knows his dad like john gruden so he brought him along john gruden has a losing record ever since he won the super bowl you think he'll this bring back john mess. madden since that worked out for his dad yeah <laughs> It's just a disaster. And really, I think it comes a lot to cowardly stuff, too, because based on the age of this roster, they're going to have – it's kind of make or break the next two years. Yeah, that's your window. But if you trade away your good players, your aging players, and go, well, our window's in four years from now, so hang tight. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm, I'm so mad about it. You had the offensive line. Now what do you have? Nothing. Yeah. The offensive line makes everybody better. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good luck. Watch. You thought Carr was average before. Wait till he's got people on him every time. He he was average with a clean pocket every throw. 95% of his throws were clean pockets, something crazy like that. He barely ever got heat on him, barely got sacked. And now let's watch. That'll be fun. I see they they re-signed Incognito. That should help a little. Yeah, it it turns out it was – I mean, Hudson was probably one of the best centers in the league. They traded him for a third-round pick. And Gabe Jackson was a good guard that's gone now. Mm -hmm. But – those are the two that are gone. It's 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 a disaster. Richie Incognito turns thirty eight in July. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Denzel Good. They brought him back. He's pretty solid. He'll be the right tackle. And Colton Miller is re- was really well, really good the second year. But you can't once you start giving up the players like that. It's not an elite union anymore. And let's see what happens with the. At least we got Kenyon Drake. Has anybody's value taken more of a hit? Besides A.J. Dillon, has anybody's value taken more of a hit in free agency than Josh Jacobs For a fa- from a fantasy perspective? I, everybody's down on him, and I don't really yeah. understand it. I don't get that really at all until this Kenyon Drake signing. Like, he's he's been really good the first two years, and last year he barely had a line most of the time. The one game they had no starters because of COVID, and he still finished, what, eighth or ninth in running backs? It's all volume. It's not like he's super efficient, but he's going to keep getting that volume. I think that's the complaint is it is all volume and he's just kind of a plotter. And now with Drake there and with the offensive line worse, it's hard to see him getting any better, I guess, is maybe the argument. I don't think he had the first year he had five yards to carry and 15 or 1100 yards. And then next year with that hurt line, he had four yards to carry. And that's kind of the difference. And he, I mean, he had 240 yards carry in the first year, 273. I know I'm a Raiders fan, so 
and of course, I'm looking at it from that angle, but I don't know why people are kind of down on him. He's going to keep getting the volume for at least the next two years. And and I, I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to get much more touches or playing time than Jalen Richard did for the Raiders. No, so. and Booker last year. But I yeah. don't know oh, why yeah. you pay a guy to do that much, but I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. take away from what Jacobs is doing. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, his, to your point, Trevin, it is a lot of volume. He's number three in carries among backs last year and only number 12 in fantasy points per game. So, I don't know. Like, I think that's probably the fear is, like, he's just kind of a guy and now that the line's getting worse and everything, is it is he going to be able to sustain what he's done, which is kind of a low-end running back one or a high-end running back two? Sure, and I'm or just – is it going to get worse? The, the line this year isn't going to be any worse than last year. There's the guy, Trent Brown's gone, but he was hurt all of last year. Hudson will hurt, but he was there all of last year, but everybody else was hurt around him. Gabe Jackson was hurt most of the year. So I think that's last year's kind of the basement for him. I think I don't, even with the lines moving around, that's the next two so, years will look just like last year at worst. I think for Jacob's stats. So Drake doesn't worry you at all, even with, you know, 11 million guaranteed isn't bad for a running back, especially one his age. He doesn't. I don't think it takes away from Jacobs. I think it gives him a good third down option. We'll see. I could be eating my words, but I think Jacobs (laughs) has the – I don't think Drake's that good is the other thing. I just don't know why you pay him that much. No, I agree with that. I just – looking at what they spend on him from a perspective kind of gives you a sense for maybe how they view him. But I look forward to you two and your bidding war for Josh Jacobs and our campus camp and startup we have here in a couple months. (laughs) I'm not saying he's the top guy. I just think he's – He's number two. He's finished ninth or tenth last year, and I think he'll keep doing that the next two years before his first contract's over, and then he probably won't get re-signed. Yeah, and, he's just, and I, I wouldn't ahead. want him. I wouldn't want him as my running back one either. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think he'll be landing on my team. Trevin, do you want to give Brent your other trivia question about Mark Davis's net worth? <laughs> so. I don't know. We'll get into Raiders finances here because I've been looking into it a lot. So there's only really two teams that the family owned them the whole time, bought them super cheap when the league started. And now they never had outside money. Their whole net worth is tied up in that. And it's Raiders and Bears. So the Raiders are an estimated worth $3 billion now, Brent. Yeah. How much do you think net worth of Mark Davis is? The current owner of the Raiders. Um, $400 million. Wow, you looked it up before, I think. $500 million. No, Really? Cool. Yeah. So the team he owns is worth $3 billion. His net worth is $500 million. He owns actually probably 25% of the team at most because him and his mom own 50%. But... but it can't be that much, right? Because if the team's worth $3 billion and he owned 25%, he would have $750 million would be a quarter. Yeah, I mean, I don't billion. think the numbers are all – it's not like – they're super accurate. It's like, what would the Raiders get if you sold the team? And sure. that's what but, I was just trying to think through it because you know you mentioned how Mark Davis just or Al Davis just reinvested all the money over the years to buy yeah. more, buy a higher percentage of the Raiders and reinvested in the team that way. So that's why they never had any extra cash, which is now again an issue with Mark. But and I think he, what you sent me the other day, we were talking about this. He didn't get over half of the team until like 2005, a majority yep. state. Mm-hmm. So, which is crazy just to think he's owned the team for what 30 years by that point or been the managing partner, I think was yeah. his title. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I guess just thinking about that and just, you know, owning half the team. And actually, I don't know. Low, but 
with the move to Vegas, I, I actually don't know if other somebody else bought in to get them there or if they had to inject cash to get them there. So the Davis family might not own over half anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, because when, when Al died, he split it between his wife and Mark, right? So they each owned yeah. half of what Al owned. Yeah, and Mark's never been married, so biggest loser on the planet <laughs> can't believe that bowl cut yeah he's probably just getting so many women he can't he probably is. yeah it's funny though you hear stories about oh he's just some crazy billionaire that he just likes to ride around his 90s van and go to get his bowl cut and go to pf chang's isn't he eccentric it's like no he's broke as hell he doesn't have money he doesn't have cash everything he has is just tied up in the raiders and he can't slice off a piece of the raiders to get a better car he doesn't have cash <laughs> you think you could at least have a nice car like from a, if his net worth is 500 to 750 million you'd think you'd have you know enough cash to buy a fifty thousand dollar car that's halfway decent but well if you had two brain cells rubbed together he might be it but he doesn't <laughs> it's it so wasn't... funny to look at like what he's done in his life and he's like he's worked inside the raiders organization uh, sometimes as an equipment manager it's like this guy has never had any decision power he's never been a coach he doesn't do anything yeah, I think what you sent me were it listed his two jobs he had done with the Raiders as equipment and then retail sales. I don't know. I'm a fan <laughs> of this stupid team. Because teams like, like this, that you don't have the cash to hire the extra assistants, you don't have the cash to hire the extra scouts, that's where it hurts you. And the Raiders don't have that. Because that doesn't tie into your salary cap. So the teams that have money can do those extra expenses. Yeah. True. Well, Sell the team. That's what I'm getting to. Sell the team, Mark. Yeah, at least they don't have a, a doctor that's punctured a player's lung, so they're doing okay there. <laughs> and yeah. I heard this week I learned that the Bengals, I think it is, they don't even have an indoor practice facility. And freaking Cincinnati, an NFL team, doesn't have an wow. indoor practice facility. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I think that's just a case of the owner being cheap, which yeah. you can make the argument whether that's better or worse, I guess. But, man, that's crazy. Just December, January in Cincinnati, they're out outside practicing. There's some pretty crazy stories about the Bengals. I've heard that most teams have, I'm just making up a number, 10 scouts, and the Bengals have always only had one guy that's like trainer slash scout. Like just they're cheap on everything. Huh. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, somebody said it that every year there's five teams that actually try to win a championship, and the rest of them are content making a lot of money for owning an NFL team. And it's, I think it's pretty much the case. Yeah. And the other thing we talked about with the Raiders and Mark Davis is they probably had to put some of their own money into this new stadium, and then they didn't get any fans last year, so they didn't get a even, you know, prior cash flow from that perspective where they already put all their cash into the stadium, and then they didn't get – had a down year at least for revenue. So just kind of a tough situation for the Raiders and their fans. Anything else you want to throw on this roast, Trevin, before we move on? No, I do just want to – some people listening might not know the contract situation of – when you get a guaranteed contract, all of that money has to go immediately to an escrow account. So that came from years past where the NFL, it wasn't always clear it's going to be a successful league. So if you're if the league flops, you'd still have the money there for the players to be paid. Of course, that's not really a worry anymore. NFL teams are going to make money on TV deals every year. But that's still the rule that if you have guaranteed money, it's got to be put in an escrow account immediately. So a team like the Raiders that doesn't have the Khalil Mack deal, $100 million immediately to put in an escrow account for that contract that's probably why they traded him because they couldn't put this guaranteed contract away in an escrow account so i didn't realize that until you told me that 
honestly. So yeah, I think a lot of listeners probably be surprised to learn that too. Yeah. Thanks for uh, letting me vent about my stupid readers. I really, that was cathartic and I needed it. little therapy <laughs> session for me. All right. Uh, Trevin, you have a frozen four proposal since we identified last week that we have big overlap between our fans and the frozen four. Share your four, frozen four proposal here. So this was put in by a listener. He uh, listened to that and that was a, he had an idea that some one of us needs to watch the Frozen Four and live tweet it from the Fantasy Players Club account to prove that we're watching it. That way you can't just read a recap and say it on the show. So somehow we need to decide if you guys agree to it, one of us needs to watch the three games for the Frozen Four. And then so the, the four teams left in the championship and live tweet it from the Fantasy Players Club account. So I have, I've got a couple ideas. I have the okay, okay. you go with yours first. Sorry. I'll go mine first. So the idea he had was we do some type of competition with March Madness. If we, uh, this first round, whoever gets the most right, something like that. The idea I had was we just put a poll out from the account and have our listeners vote who wants, who should be live tweeting the frozen four watching and live tweeting the frozen four and whoever has the most votes on that has to do it. Can I share my idea? There's three games in the Frozen Four, the two semifinals in the championship. We each tweet one game. Man. I like to making one person do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think, Brent? I like the one person doing it. They'd have to just pick probably the championship game or something. Or, or, or you have to do all three, all, right? Oh, you have to do all three? three. Oh, yeah. then I agree with Levi then. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I think that's... it's kind of a fun little punishment. It's not like <laughs> the games are super long. It's three hockey games. And it'll be entertaining, especially if you don't watch a lot of hockey. Like, it's kind of cool to see, I think. But Yeah. But what is it? Is it on? What is it on? I, that <laughs> might be the issue. <laughs> I don't know what. Do we have to stream it on. somewhere? Or... Really, it's Probably. on ESPN or something, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen college hockey on TV. We'd figure it out. It's got. We'd be. Able, we'd have to find it somewhere. Maybe like a Fox Sports channel or something. It is April eighth and eighth through the tenth weekend. That's the same weekend as the Masters. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> so, does this listener want to be named? I don't. Sure, Nathan Walls. Yeah, he's a hockey yeah. fan. Shout out to Nathan. Yeah, so thanks I for listening. Up, thanks for the idea. <laughs> I looked up the broadcast info. And they have the network for the selection show is ESPNU, but all of the tournament games are listed as TBA for network. <laughs> so I don't know who has the broadcast rights to this thing. Well, I mean, you think if the selection show be ESPNU, I wonder if ESPN has the broadcast rights. Maybe. Oh. ESPN will present all three games of the 2021 Women's Frozen Four as part of its inaugural coverage of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I didn't I don't know, know there is a women's college hockey. Yeah, I don't Learned know. something new the, every day. I don't know who has, who has the men, but if the women's is on ESPN, this yeah. is, the men's will surely be on some yeah. station we can watch too. So I don't, I don't care. I'd be willing to do this if I have to. Yeah, so. I, I don't, I don't care either. But watching all three would be pretty. It'd be pretty, pretty tough. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Leave it up to a poll. I'm game if you guys are. How about we have a poll? Four options. 
each our three names who have to watch all three and then one the fourth option will just be each of us watch one and live tweet it yeah that works right. okay okay you're saying if they pick we all watch that's each of us watches one game right right okay yep that sounds good all right fun new that- poll this week so live tweet you mean like like oh so-and-so scores a goal assist from so-and-so <laughs> well yeah However like you want to what a play you, you, don't have to act like <laughs> you don't have to act like a hockey expert when you do it <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm thinking of some fun tweets already yeah <laughs> all right before we go question of the week i have a trivia question this week so maybe we do week- just go maybe it's less of a punishment maybe we just do the three we each watch one game. We say who's tweet live tweeting this game, who's live okay. tweeting the next game. I'm fine with that, and then we can coordinate schedules to figure out who's going to do which game. Yeah, I like that more the more we talked about it. That'll be fun. <laughs> and then the listeners will know who's tweeting from that account. It'll probably cost us all our followers on that account, or <laughs> or we'll get a lot of hockey followers. Who knows? Yeah. We've, <laughs> we've cultivated however many followers of just strictly fantasy football followers, and then... <laughs> For one weekend, we're all frozen for. Uh. <laughs> you can mute us for that weekend. You have permission. <laughs> if you're not a hockey person. All right. So last week, one of my, my grievances that I aired was related to Tim Brown. And we talked about how Tim Brown was uh, a Heisman Trophy winner, 1987 Heisman, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame 2015. There are nine total players who have won a Heisman and been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Can you guys name them? I gave you one. So there's eight others. Tim Brown and eight others. A couple of Raiders on here, Trevin. So Tim Brown was the one. Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson is on this list. Didn't he get the Hall of Fame? Is he not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Or maybe he's going to be this year. I think, yeah, he just got notified. He might not be inducted yet. He just had that gigantic guy tell him he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. David Baker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if Woodson will be one. He, he's he been elected to the Hall of Fame. He will be inducted this year. But So he, he'll be the the 12th former Raider to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But So he's not inducted yet, but he's been elected. So he's not on this list yet. Well, Peyton Manning. He didn't win the Heisman. Oh, God damn. <laughs> this is tough. That's Charles Woodson's year. There are eight others. And some of them are older, so I can give you guys a gimme or two if you want to get some momentum going. Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett is one. Class of 1994 for the Hall of Fame. Won the Heisman in 1976. Well played, Brent. Archie Griffin? No. Archie no, Griffin no. is not on the list. Okay. No. no Hall of Fame. No. Oh, man. Eddie George, did he make the Hall of Fame? Eddie George is not a Hall of Famer yet. Huh. If he ever will be. Steve Young, he didn't win a Heisman. I don't think so. Montana? No. I don't think he won a Heisman. God damn, this game's tough. This There's gotta be all gotta be all old people, right? So there are a couple that you'll be kicking yourselves that were left give, in the Hall of Fame. Give us, give us the 
I'll give you the two oldest ones. How about that? All right. So Paul Hornung was class of 1986 for the Hall of Fame, won the Heisman in 1956. Who could forget him? (laughs) And Roger Staubach, class of 1985 for the Hall of Fame and won the Heisman in 1963. Those are the – there's – I'll give you one more. Uh, Doak Walker, of course, the Doak Walker Award named after him for best college football running back, won the Heisman in 1948 at SMU. Inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1986. The rest of them, I would say, are names you'll at least have heard of. You probably weren't alive to watch them all, but you guys would know them as students of the game that you are. It doesn't feel like it right now. (laughs) Did Eric Dickerson ever win a Heisman? He's not on the list here. And this list is on the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, so I would think it'd be comprehensive. I can't think of a single person that won the Heisman. Yeah, this is tough. You want me to give you the next? I mean, give, well, I'm let's, thinking, no, let's give us a little time here. Who's I'm, I'm thinking of all these Heisman winners like Gino, no, not Gino Treta. Um, Vinny Testaverde. Who's the more recent? Not I mean, what year? I'll give, you, I'll give you the years they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. How about that? Yeah. So one was inducted in 1985. Well, uh, one was trouble. 1984, one was 1991, one was 2003, and one was 2004. Marcus Allen. He's got Marcus one. Allen, yeah. class of 2003, was won the Heisman in 1981. So there's your second Raider on this list, Trevin. You said 2004? 2004 was the other. This is 2004 is the one you'll really be kicking yourselves if you don't get it. Did OJ Simpson ever go to the OJ Simpson. <laughs> Class of 1985. So he was the first one. Him and Roger Staubach were both inducted in 1985 and became the first Heisman Trophy winners to be elected into the NFL Hall or inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. He won the Heisman 1968, so actually five years after Staubach, but they got inducted in the Hall of Fame the same year. So if it was an 04, that means they quit playing in 98 or 99. They don't necessarily have to be a... like a yeah, I'm just kind of year. assuming it's a first ballot. Or just give us a time frame on when they would be done. Yeah, so that is a prolific player in the 90s. Uh, won the Heisman in 1988. 1998 or 88? 88. 88. Oh. I thought that would be Tim Brown. Yeah, it would be like a year after Tim Brown. One year after Tim Brown won the Heisman. Like Notre Dame was good. Like an Oklahoma guy. You're very close. God damn it. Oh, Texas? Barry Sanders. Wow. Yeah. How about yeah. him? <laughs> there you go. Wow. Barry Sanders, class 2004, Heisman, Oklahoma State in 1988. What's next year we're looking for? How many do we have left? You have two left. Uh, and so these are the, uh, again, back-to-back Heisman winners. We mentioned Tim Brown and Barry Sanders went back-to-back. These other two uh, uh, won in 1976 and 1977, and one was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1991 and the other in 1994. So if you don't want to give, give these, I'll give you a couple guesses or if you want. But they're, they're ones you'll have heard of but probably aren't. <laughs> At the forefront of your memory, I guess I'll say. What year did you say they won the Heisman? 76, 76, 76 and 77. 
Probably running backs, right? Almost both, has to be. Both, both are, are running, running backs. backs. Am I forgetting a USC running back back in the day? No? Not not a USC back, either of them. Oh, Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell is one of them. 1977 nice Heisman at Texas and class 1991. Well done. Now we're looking for 76. 76 and inducted in the Hall of Fame in 94. And running back, as we established. I got nothing. What, what, <laughs> what college conference did he play in? Uh, I believe this is currently an ACC school. Currently ACC. What the hell? What's he it's, mean to think? Is it like Syracuse? Oh, is it Syracuse? It's not Syracuse. Well. Yep, it is an ACC school. I don't know what school he would he not know is still ACC. Louisville? Not Louisville. North Carolina. Florida State. Not Florida State. <laughs> I'm judging my guesses on just what you could have been questioning if you're ACC. It's not one of the Florida schools. Not a Florida school, and it's not one you'll you think of as a major football power in the modern day. Not not Georgia Tech. Not Georgia Tech. I don't not, even know if the school's really going to help you, honestly. But you want me to give you a school? school? Yeah, give yeah. us a school. Pittsburgh. I said Tony Dorsett. Yeah, it was Tony Dorsett. Did you say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, we, I yeah. think that was the first one. Oh, okay, yep. Tony Dorsett won the Heisman 76 and inducted in 94. So just to recap, you got Paul Hornung, Roger Staubach, O.J. Simpson, Doak Walker, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, Barry Sanders, Tim Brown, and soon-to-be Charles Woodson. In about Nine. 20 years, Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be talking about Joe Burrow on our podcast in 20 years. Right, same thing. You, I don't know. You think he's the most likely of the current players? No, who won I'd the say Lamar Jackson pretty easily. He's already got an MVP award. I, what about Derrick Henry? Mm, yeah, yeah, but he doesn't have an MVP. I'm just basing it just on you got that award to show to the committee. Yeah, but then like running backs, modern day, you don't really win MVP. So if well, that's yeah, what you're he's just not going to get. Too. That's going to be tough for Henry too. He won't have the counting stats at the end. Just how long running backs last now. He has a 2,000-yard season. That'll help him. Yeah. But what's he at for career yards ranking? Mm, let me look. I, I think Henry will he, – he, I think he's done enough. If he has an average year this year, I think he's still done, done enough. 5,860 5, yards right now. But 4,500 of those have come in the last three seasons. So he's – but you look at the list, the recent list, they've got Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Derek Henry, Mario and Jameis Winston aren't going to do it. Johnny Manziel not going to do it. Robert Griffin. <laughs> Manziel might. You never know. Yeah, let's not <laughs> count out Manziel. Cam Newton. Ooh, maybe. Forgot about him. Uh, yeah, Mark, he's got an MVP too. I think Cam's got to have another good year this year if he wants to be in that discussion. Mark Ingram, not going to make it. 
Bradford, Tebow, Troy Smith, Reggie Bush, uh, Liner, Jason White, Carson Palmer, Eric Crouch, Chris Winkie, Ron Dane, Ricky Williams, and then you get to Charles Woodson. So hmm. after Woodson, it's kind of a, I don't know, maybe yeah. Cam and Derek Henry might have the best shot, you think, at this point. No, I Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson too. Even though I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a, the best quarterback, but he's got that MVP award to yeah. show off, just like Cam Newton. Yeah. But what's he at? Do you ever find where he's at for the career rushing yards? Because I bet it's not very high, and he's already. Oh, yeah. 27. I just said. I think it's like five thousand eight hundred sixty, and he's had forty five hundred in the last three years. So. Yeah, I think that's just his problem. Nothing against Henry. This running backs don't last that long to get to. 25th on the all-time list is at 10,600 yards, Jamal Lewis. He's going to need some longevity. He's 27, I think, right? Yeah, 27. Needs two or three more good years, probably. Yeah. But, yeah, I think those are probably the three with the the best shot, and obviously Cam Newton's probably the closest of, like, the one that'll be up for on the ballot first. I'm pretty sure uh, Emmett Smith's career rushing record is untouchable at this point, the way the game's played. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. 18,000 yards. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Again, where's Frank Gore at right now? Uh, he's third with 16,000. He's 2,300 so, away. You can't really say it's untouchable. I mean, if Frank Gore gets re-signed by the Jets and they don't do anything else at running back, he gets another. He gets a thousand <laughs> yards this year. You never. Well, he know. hasn't hit a thousand yards in quite some time. Yeah. I think it takes him four more years to get to where, to get twenty three hundred more yards. And maybe <laughs> maybe his goal is to play with his son, be on the same in the same backfield with his son in a couple. That of might years. be his. That might be his goal, but he's going to turn thirty eight this year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's got three or four more years. Peterson is thirty five hundred yards away. Oh. That's Frank the only Gore. active guys on the too. top 25 list. Frank Gore's had 653, 599, and 722 yards the last three years, which is incredible for your age 35, 36, and 37 seasons, but he's not going to make it another 2,000 yards, I don't think. That's four more years. 41. <laughs> Out there running for 600 <laughs> yards. <laughs> Peterson's 35. Yeah, he turns 36 in four day, three days. So if you had to choose, who has, who has a better shot, Peterson or Gore? I don't oh. think either one of them. Gore has a better shot because he's 2,000 yards closer, but neither one of them is getting there, I don't think. Peterson's only at 14,820, so he has zero oh. chance, I think. Well, 3,500 away around there. <laughs> but when you're getting 600 a year and you're 36 years old. <laughs> you said he's 35. It, it oh, turns four days in okay. four days and three oh, days. Okay. Okay. And then the God, who's the next active player in this list? I bet it's pretty low. <laughs> Holy crap! It's <laughs> I'm to 37, and there's still not another active player yet. I think you're right about it being untouchable, especially with the way the game has changed. There's no way anybody's having 18. Thousand yard seasons or averaging a thousand yards a year for eighteen years ever again. I don't. Next think. on the list is Mark Ingram. He's at sixtieth, and he has seventy three hundred yards. Where's like Le'Veon Bell? So that's what I mean, though. Like, if Derrick Henry has another good year or two, 
for when you put it in the context of the area he's playing in, he'll have a pretty decent shot, I think. That's yeah. the, I think that's just his problem though, is that it's gonna be tough if he finishes at fiftieth on the all time list, which is impressive from this day and age, but it's just hard to say you're made it to Hall of Fame, you're fiftieth on the all time rushing your list. I think that's where he's in trouble. But I think you it's I think you have to put it in context, right? So like I, sure, I, know, I know. I think that's but, just tough for the Hall of Fame to do. I don't there's not a lot of context going on and it mostly comes down to what were your career achievements, your counting yards and your all pros or pro bowls. If this but is the case, if this is the case, I don't think another running back will get in the hall of fame then. I mean, the way trail Davis make it to the hall of fame. I don't know. If he did, there's your example. Cause he wasn't very good for his whole career. Yeah. But Trevin, what I was trying to get at is like you're seeing the same thing on the quarterback side, like just looking at current players, like Matthew Stafford is currently number 16 all time in passing yards. And I think he probably doesn't have a chance to make, despite that, probably doesn't have a chance to make the Pro Bowl or the Hall of Fame unless he wins a Super Bowl or an MVP in these next couple of years. Joe Flacco, the number 19 all time in passing. So like, <laughs> like that's what I'm saying, I guess, is like it's kind of the reverse of it where you're seeing all these quarterbacks are rank really well all time, but in their era, they weren't really that good. And so maybe the other way around with running backs where all time they're not that good, but for their era, they were the best of the best. Alex Smith, tough. Alex Smith, number 27 all time in passing. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number 30. But Terrell Davis, he is in the Hall of Fame, and he had 7,600 career yards and only had, was active for six years. So if he can yeah. get in, then yeah. Derek Henry can get in. Yeah. Andy Dalton's number 36 all-time in passing. Kirk Cousins is number 60. Jeez, Ryan Tannehill, number 67. Derek Carr, number 69. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Especially after he does it again this year with no lineman. All right. <laughs> I think we went down that rabbit hole far enough. What do you guys think? Yeah, that was a good. That was a good question. Thanks for <laughs> asking that. That was that was yeah. fun. It's fun to see you guys struggle a little bit. <laughs> All right, should we do a quick beer check before we go? I got a Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. I'll go seven two. Got my Stella tonight, as usual. Oh, damn it! I was gonna bust out a Stella this week. I bought some. And I was uh, going to surprise you, but I forgot on. to throw them in the fridge. So next week, <laughs> we'll have my go. official pre- preview for next week, official Stella review here from Levi, who's never drank a Stella before. So wow. something to look forward to. Looking forward to it. Trevor, you should get some Stella and we can do a live, we can do a review. That's a good idea. So I've, this is my weekend. I took tomorrow off so I could watch games all day. I'm going to watch basketball games till my eyes bleed. So I'm starting <laughs> it off right. I've got a Mai Tai got a drink of a Mai Tai on the rocks like I'm on a beach somewhere in a lawn chair it's got Cruzon rum in it 10 out of 10 baby let's watch some basketball <laughs> nice. good lord <laughs> are you Jay-Z does Jay-Z like Mai Tais oh yeah <laughs> sipping Empire. on Mai Tais yeah. yep. sipping Mai Tais <laughs> sitting courtside mixing nets give you high fives <laughs> Brent doesn't know that he is too old. No, not <laughs> Empire State of Mind is too too new for you, In Brent. New York. Oh, I've I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you guys you guys talked about that on your podcast from last summer when I was gone, didn't you? Did we? I thought yeah, I maybe. 
We bring it up a lot. All right. Well, I'm excited for our official stellar review next week. So, Trevin, don't let me down. Yep. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. We'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, on behalf of Brent Hudhud Hykus and Trevin Promosta, this is Levi Valentine wishing you a great week. See ya. See ya. For the outtakes, my question is, when you guys have, I assume you fill out probably multiple brackets for different contests. Like this year, we have our Campus to Can one where we're doing the bracket for the draft order. And then uh, you guys probably do a pool or two maybe on your own. I'm kind of, this year, I'm just doing one. I'm just like, screw it. Because in years past, I've always done multiple, not crazy, like two or three and been like, hey, this one's doing better than that one. But this one, I'm just doing one because I've, I've barely watched any basketball this year, so. Just fill out one and see how we do. That's my thoughts. But, but normally multi- you do multiple. And that'll – that'll you'll have enough to information to answer my question. Brent, do you do multiple or do you do one? Um, I'd say maybe about 10 years ago I, I, I was crazy. About, like, I filled out multiple ones. But, I mean, maybe the last couple years. I, I, I mean, yes, I do fill out multiple ones. Um, maybe a couple, like three or four different ones. And I might do a – like an upset on one and maybe I don't do that upset on another one. So it's not like a big, I still have my same final eight, yeah. same final four and everything. Okay. Uh, so. so that's, here's the question. When you're filling out multiple, do you have the same winner overall, same champion or do you do different champions? I, when I do more than one, I usually do different champions. I, I kind of do full, not full different brackets, but Kind of a, like Brent was saying with a couple different upsets and then just a different winner out of the, my final four is usually how I would do it. Okay. Why? Same. What's this leading to? Same for you, Brent. I usually I usually pick the same champion. Actually. Gotcha. I guess my thoughts were when I was doing multiple brackets, one would stay in the running longer if one of my <laughs> teams got out. Then I was like, well, sure. I still got this bracket. <laughs> yeah. I just curious because I was doing our one for campus can and then the one for the pool that you put together, Trevin, and I just I had them pretty much the same except I changed. Thanks for the invite, Trevin. Yeah, I'll send you it to you right now. Brent. <laughs> I changed uh, one of the I changed the champion, so I had one of the other final four teams win the champion, but the rest of the bracket was the same.
So I'm just curious what you guys do. It's crazy how many some people fill out, like five, ten different brackets. So I had a uh, my. It's a. Uh, it's funny when people that don't really follow sports much get into stuff like this. So my mother-in-law got an email <laughs> from Dish Network, and it just said, "Fill get the perfect. Here's the link. Fill out the perfect bracket." And we'll give you a million dollars. So she sends me this, emails me a link. Hey, help me do this. And if we win it, I'll split it with you. I'm just like, <laughs> we win it. There's, there's 0% chance of that happening. And, and she kind of sees it as, ooh, I got kind of a golden ticket. Only Dish subscribers are available, you know. But any ESPN, CBS, they all do something similar if it's not a million dollars. And we can fill out thousands of brackets. There's no reason for us to split one if you want to really go hawk wild and try to win a million dollars. We don't have to split half a million on one bracket. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I was like, I was filling out that one for your pool on ESPN, Trevin, and it has the options at the end. You can check the box to enter the All-State Tourney Challenge sweepstakes for a chance to win a $5,000 gift card. And by entering, you give your them to permission to use your name and email address for their use for all state to send you stuff i'm sure yeah and then they had one from acura to get a home theater system and one year subscription to espn plus so i'm like of all the millions of people who are filling out these brackets on espn the best they can do for these is a five thousand dollar gift card (laughs) or a new home theater (laughs) and they get a market to all these people so i did not check those boxes but at least a million dollars if you won somehow would be a little more meaningful than that. I find it pretty funny that all these websites they like offer like all this money if you get a perfect bracket. Yeah, that's which like has never been impossible. done on any website. So, there's millions yeah. of brackets filled out every year. Mm-hmm. Even getting a perfect Sweet Sixteen is like next yeah. to impossible. I think because uh-huh. they yeah. have that deal where Berkshire Hathaway underwrote those for they had like the wind warrants money or whatever is the way they promoted it. Mm-hmm. 